Well, howdy, folks. I'm here to talk to you about a moment in equine history. Sure, we're all familiar with Seabiscuit, hell, maybe even Mr. Ed. But what about Twilight Sprinkle? What about everyone's favorite fun-loving earth pony, Pinkie Pie? Or how about that sporty Pegasus, Rainbow Dash? Well, at this point, I'm sure you're probably thinking, hey, I think he might have taken some more peyote again. But the only thing that I'm high on is friendship. You see, I just binge-watched all nine seasons of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Shout out Lauren Faust. I now consider myself a brony, which is what Mr. Rob and Mr. Ray are going to talk about on This Was a Thing. But before we listen in, how about we take some peyote? <laughs> oh, it's okay, Princess Celestia. I got enough for the both of us. That is sharing. Lady Gaga's sweet dress, Katy Perry's teenage dream. Leo gets an Oscar while we all got Adele Dazeem. Miley Cyrus twerking, Katy Holmes at Suri Cruz. And all in knowing if that dress is golden, white, or black and blue. Hey, this was a thing. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. Today we're looking at bronies. Oh. I'm a brony. I'm a brony. And that's when I knew that I was a brony. I, I want to become a brony. And I am a brony. <laughs> I'm a brony too. That's right. Now this was a thing because, let's be honest, the internet can rip people apart it can it can just change people you know it make them become the worst possible versions of themselves versions that are just vile when like how, how are people no hold on let me finish like how are people so tough all of a sudden on the internet like i i know you in real life i, I know you're not you're not like this so stop just stop putting on a show <laughs> how did you turn into bill maher all of a sudden that was incredible but sometimes the internet can actually do some good. I always say the internet is an awful place, but it's also one of the most incredible things that's ever been made. It can bring people together and form bonds that will last forever. And to be honest, the story of bronies is the latter part of the internet, the good part of the internet. The ideal of what the internet should be. Yeah. Beautiful, precious. Bronies is one of the few somewhat positive things to come out of the internet, at least in my opinion. And no, I'm not a brony. Are you really not a brony? No, I'm not a brony. For the folks who don't know, bronies are fans of the cartoon My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, specifically for that cartoon. Oh, oh. Specifically oh, okay. for that cartoon. And brony, 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 being a portmanteau of the words bro and pony. 
Love a good portmanteau. I've never even heard portmanteau. Who are you today? Oh, you you know Natalie Portmanteau. Yeah, she's a big Oh, she's great. And bronies are a very, very inclusive community. So although the term bro is masculine, the fandom tries to maintain an overall uh, gender neutral vibe. Oh. My Little Pony has been revived a few times. Each of these revivals has been dubbed a, quote, generation by fans. Uh-huh. And so this is the best way to remember it. With each revamped My Little Pony toy line, a new generation begins. That was beautiful. Thank you very much. I just I just felt warm all over. But My Little Pony Friendship is Magic is considered the fourth generation. Fourth generation. Fourth gen. Look. I'm looking. It took me... To reach my mid-30s to feel comfortable with it. But look, I enjoy collecting six-inch, highly articulated Star Wars action figures. Star Wars The Black Series is the brand, to be more specific. (laughs) Uh, But I also collect Funko Pops. I collect a lot of things. But I look at... They all bring me joy. This stuff brings me joy. I like looking at them. I like rearranging them. I know that people think my hobby and my... The things I enjoy is odd or weird, and I've learned not to care what other people think if it's making me happy, and that's what kind of made me appreciate this brony fandom. These people aren't hurting anyone, and yeah, okay, maybe the thing they like was not marketed for them, but who cares? But this was specifically aimed for young girls originally. Uh, Four to seven. Four to seven. Yeah. Okay. This is just some people's just reactions to bronies and not really knowing much about them. And I do want to say a lot of clips that I pulled are from this great documentary called Bronies, the Extremely Unexpected Adult Fans of My Little Pony. Another disturbing trend? Yes. Uh, Bronies, grown men who love My Little Ponies. I think I asked if they were gay. Old men, like pedophiles. It's a little mind-boggling. More flamboyant. He dresses like a girl. That's pretty weird. Creeps. (laughs) I've never watched a single episode of My Little Pony. There's definitely sexual deviancy involved. Creepy. There are worse hobbies for a young lad to have, like, <laughs> you know, terrorism. Is it, is it, is it, am I wrong? Bronies? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's on I the edge. Know. Pretty twisted. This, this phenomenon of brony conventions, clearly was foretold in the book of Revelation. This is it. We are- Before we get into all those little ponies, I wanted to quickly discuss the concept of fandoms. Fandoms are groups of people that have a common connection around a book, a character, TV show, film, or even mechanical feats of engineering. The first known collection of fans in in the somewhat modern era was based on Sherlock Holmes. And no, I'm not going to be counting uh, the oldest fandom known to humans, religion. That's for another episode. Oh my God, you're spicy today. So in 1893, Sherlock Holmes was, uh, spoiler alert, sorry, killed off. Wait, is that true? Yeah. He got killed? This affected so many fans that many of them gathered together to mourn the loss of the character. And the first fandom of this, it even predated the word itself by a decade. 1903 was the word, and then the first fandom, 1893. Sherlock Holmes was also responsible for some of the very first fan fiction as well. Oh my god! Fan fiction is when fans of certain work start to use the characters and write them into their own adventures. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit more than a century. Now, a fan fiction of the Twilight novels mm. would then turn into the incredibly successful book series, Fifty Shades of Grey. Is that true? That started off as a Twilight fan fiction. I did not know that. Yeah. 
I think it's time to get to uh, some ponies. It's a big pony. That's the protective mother. Oh. My little pony started out as my pretty pony. And pretty it was, unlike other ponies that would come later. This one had some semblance of realism, i.e., it was a tan horse as opposed to, like, pink. Okay. But it had long hair that you could comb, so that's cool. And it was 10 inches tall, and uh, it could wiggle its ears, swish its tail back and forth, and wink one eye just like horses do. Horses can only wink one eye? Yeah. Those little vixens. Now, it was designed by illustrator Bonnie Zachary and sculptor Charles uh, Munchinger. Bonnie Zachary came up with the idea for Hasbro Toys, and it came from her always wanting a pony as a child. Ooh, now, love I want, trauma. Yeah. <laughs> trauma toys. My Pretty Pony was a fair success, but then came My Pretty Pony and Beautiful Baby, which was, you know, was the original pony and had the addition of a baby pony figure. Now, Pink and yellow versions of the My Pretty Pony were released, but then, uh, as they say, let's do some reworking. Mm. The next year, in 1982, Hasbro releases six smaller, colorful versions, but this time they were called My Little Pony, and so it begins. My Little Pony! My Little Pony. Each sold separately. Collect them all. Ooh, I want them now. Well, My Little Pony blew up. They would then release versions with wings, unicorn versions. They even had sea ponies, which were, yes, cute version of seahorses. Oh, that's Believe cute. it or not. Can you put them in water? I think so, yeah. Yeah, right? Sure. Seahorses. Winged ponies are Pegasus ponies. Horned ponies are unicorn ponies. Yeah. And ponies, sans wings or a horn, those are just earth ponies. Oh, just a plain old earth pony? Yeah, he sounds like a fucking hippie. The 80s were known for all their iconic television sh- classic uh, oh, cartoons yeah. that were just essentially 22-minute advertisements Correct. with eight minutes of additional advertisements <laughs> mixed in. And I'll, to be fair, it wasn't just the 80s. It's still done today, although there's been like laws passed and stuff where it's like it has to be educational content on television for kids. But of course, they figure out a way to get around that. But probably the biggest example from back then, though, was He-Man Masters of the Universe. Yes, I loved He-Man. My Little Pony's owner, which was toy maker Hasbro, which, shout out Hasbro, they also make Star Wars Black Series. They already had popular cartoons to tie into their boy toy lines, Transformers and G.I. Joes, and those were very successful. And then one day, someone was like, let's get some market research going. Do little girls like cartoons? Mm. Well, you know, they probably spent thousands upon thousands of dollars, and turned out... Girls do like cartoons. Now, enter 1984. No, no. Instead of an Orwellian dystopian hellscape, we got the first 22-minute My Little Pony syndicated primetime special. Oh, wow. Yeah, it would later be retitled Rescue at Midnight Castle. Now, My Little Ponies wound up on the big screen in 1986 with My Little Pony the movie. I think I saw that as a kid. Well, see if this trailer reminds you of it. Join all your favorite little ponies as they gallop off to battle the evil Tira. 
My Little Pony, today's most popular toy, is now an animated home video adventure. Now, sadly, the movie commercial didn't do well at the box office. And even with a voice cast that included, are you ready for this? Danny DeVito, Rhea Perlman, Madeline Kahn, Cloris Leachman, and one Mr. Tony Randall. Now, it was panned by critics as an 87-minute toy commercial. Uh, Leonard Maltin said that it was a good concept hampered by poor animation. Too cute for anyone over the age of seven. Leonard Maltin, no Bosley Crowther, I've always said it. Yes, amen. So the big screen just might not work. I mean, they are My Little Pony, so they went back to that little screen. Scream. Yeah. Now, My Little Pony and Friends was what came next. A half-hour syndicated show. Each episode would consist of two segments. The first would be the adventures of all those little ponies. The second segment would feature some of Hasbro's other brands, like Glow Friends, Potato Head Kids, or Moon Dreamers. Oh, I like Moon Dreamers. Now... This series was produced uh, in 1986, 1987, and, and would you even believe it? It featured the newest Little Ponies in the Little line. Oh, there's n- there's new ponies. Oh, yeah. Hello, Princess Ponies. It would last for 65 episodes, and actually, voice of Bart Simpson, Nancy Cartwright, voiced a lot of the characters in the show. August 1992 would bring the world yet another TV show. Now, My Little Pony Tales premiered on Disney Channel and it would run for 26 episodes before going into syndication the next year. There was a change in animation style from from before and this show made The Little Ponies more anthropomorphized from the previous versions. You know, so that means that The Little Ponies are acting more and more like us humans act. Uh, They go to Little Pony school. They have Little Pony jobs, live in a Little Pony town that they've established. Hopefully they have Little Pony free and fair elections. (laughs) Now, the main ponies, or the seven pony friends, who are preteen female ponies, uh, their names are Starlight, Sweetheart, Melody, Bright Eyes, Patch, Clover, and Bon Bon. Now, don't worry. There are boy ponies, too. Here's an example. (laughs) Now, there's Teddy. Now, Teddy, he's a blue pony with an orange mohawk who wears sunglasses. He's cool. Yeah, he's an impulsive show-off who irritates other, and it's later revealed he sleeps with a teddy bear, Robert. Oh, you're silly. I mean, this horse is obviously unstable. Now, the TV specials take place in Dream Valley. Movie is in Dream Castle, and the first TV series was set in Pony Land. Now, 1992's My Little Pony Tales was also set in Pony Land. Now, all this media would later be dubbed Generation One. Generation One would come to a close in the U.S. Toys and media, everything, in 1992, and it would stay around internationally until 1995. But, oh, wait, hold on. Do you see that? See what? Is that 1997? You, what's that? We are now about to enter the Generation 2 era. Generation 2, 2, 2. Now, a reminder, uh, this is dubbed this by fans, not by Hasbro. But Hasbro decided to market this version as Friendship Garden. Okay. These little ponies had a new design and everything. It was, you know, ground up. Jewel eyes? Check. Turning heads? Check. Keeping with the beauty trend of the late 90s and making the legs longer and slimmer than previous little ponies? 
check. This pony was based off of Kate Moss. Yeah. These little ponies, you know, they didn't take off like the earlier ones. They only lasted for two years until 1999 in the U.S. And only a video game was released for Windows in 1998. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Sorry, Rob. I forgot to tell you, we're in a time machine. Now it's time to enter the wonderful decade known as the aughts, 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 aughts. 2003, what a time, what a time. Ponyville, not Ponyland. That's generation one, you hoove head. You're so happy. Now Celebration Castle was a big focus of generation three. And I think this castle helped because the little ponies were hits yet again. Gone were the unsettling pretzel stick legs. In were the fluffy, cute marshmallow legs. That's my own description. For the first two years, only Earth ponies were introduced. But between 2005 and 2006, the world got some unicorn ponies and Pegasus ponies. Phew! Man, thank goodness. Between 2003 and 2007... Seven direct-to-video shorts and feature-length films were released. Even a My Little Pony live show. Oh, yes. Your favorite animated ponies coming to life and singing for your terrified children. Now, I want to present to you a small taste of My Little Pony Live, the world's biggest tea party. Something smells yummy. I love the smell of freshly baked muffins in the morning. <laughs> what a special way to start our day. Good morning, darling Sweetberry. Thanks, and good day to all of you. It's a beautiful Ponyville morning. I say good morning. You say good morning. We say, say good morning, Ponyville. This is a day to laugh and play. And so, of course, we will. Sunshine blowing, breezes blowing, what delightful weather. Gee, it's funny, skies are sunny, whenever we're together. Each little pony greets every... I will say this, unfortunately the DVD release of uh, My Little Pony Live, the world's biggest tea party, was panned by pretty much everyone. Oh, you know, people are such assholes. But by golly, if 2008 didn't roll around... And Generation 3, you know, they had some tweaking done. Gone were a lot of the characters that were introduced. Just, there are too many. Too much to keep up with. Don't worry. Want to know who you got to stick around? We got Pinkie Pie, Scootaloo, Tularula, Rainbow Dash, Sweetie Belle, Cheerily, and Star Song. Collectors would refer to this group as the Core 7. Hasbro changed designs of the Little Ponies, but not enough for a new generation. No, no, no. Some change, but not a lot of change. Now, you know, collectors decided, let's just call this Generation 3.5 now. This is intricate. I had no idea about any of this. Now, My Little Pony Generation 3 and Generation 3.5 would last from 2003 to 2009. So now, we're officially... Into Generation 4, Robert. Do you know what Generation 4 is? This is the generation that is going to give birth to bronies. Yes. Development for this generation, uh, it seems to be a little bit different than the other generations, or in the sense that 
in trying to find some things about the development of the other generations, there wasn't really much about it. So I don't know if this is due to just this becoming such a thing and bronies were putting everything, they put everything out they could or what. But either way, there's a lot of information about Friendship is Magic. Now, animator and writer Lauren Faust, who had success working on the Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, had been pitching animation uh, that was aimed at girl audiences for years with no luck. She went to Hasbro uh, wanting to get her girl toy line that she'd been working on, Milky Way and the Galaxy Girls, turned into an animated series. Now, according to a timeline that I found on whatisabrony.com, this was presumably mid-2008. Hasbro wasn't interested in Milky Way and the Galaxy Girls series, but they liked Lauren's art style and and thought it could work with the uh, My Little Pony line, and they asked her to come up with some ideas. Now, Hasbro, known for the market research that told them girls like cartoons, they did some more market research and concluded that friendship and cooperation was how girls played with toys. At this point, the brand My Little Pony had been around for 20, over 20 years, which meant that the little girls that were playing with the OG Little Ponies were now grown up, and some of them became successful creators. Mm. And one of those little girls that played with the original toy lines was Lauren Faust. I love this kind of stuff. When a lasting property that meant something to someone growing up then goes on to inspire them to create I've mentioned this name to you before, but it's just like Dave Filoni, who is now the vice president uh, of Lucasfilm, and uh, he's the head of most of the animation. And Filoni started as a Star Wars fan as a kid. You know, he got into animation, moved his way up. He did like King of the Hill and stuff. And then he got hired by George Lucas when they were developing a new Clone Wars show and was taken under George Lucas's wing and learned everything about it, how to like craft stories and stuff. He's now super successful. Everything he does, you can tell that he is a fan and he wants to make sure the property is, you know, still has everything he does is with heart. Lauren Faust remembers playing with her My Little Ponies and having a good time, but she also remembered that the accompanying media that went with those lines was just lacking anything besides bright colors and ponies. She was initially skeptical of taking the My Little Pony job because of those bad memories of dull stories that were aimed at little girls. But she said she remembers that the ponies back in the day just, quote, had endless tea parties, giggled over nothing, and defeated villains by either sharing with them or crying. That was sort of how I got through high school. That's fair. She said she wanted to change the status quo and that, quote, cartoons for girls don't have to be a puddle of smushy, cutesy, wootsy, and goody two-shoeness like the original series. Whoa, okay. Now, she found inspiration from the other Hasbro cartoons in the 80s when she played with her My Little Ponies as a kid. The ones her brothers watched, Transformers and G.I. Joe. Transformers. Now, she created characters that had diverse personalities as opposed to the more one-note ones yes. in the past. She wanted to show that even though friends don't agree, they can still be friends. Yes. Uh, she wanted to show that girls didn't have to be limited to what others say about them. She incorporated things that might even scare kids, like dragons, uh, mortgages, but she always <laughs> emphasized friendship. Come on, butternuts. Let's go fight the HOA. Yeah. 
In six weeks' time, uh, Lauren Faust sketched out over 40 pages of what she called the universe that existed in her eight-year-old head. A lot of shrooms, I'm assuming. Eight-year-old mind, exactly. The show was developed uh, with the intended audience of, like I said, four to seven-year-old girls. Ponyville was going to be based on the German cottages that you see in fairy tales. So, okay, I I get that. Uh, And since this was a world of ponies, there would be some horse inspo, if you will. Lots of horseshoe-shaped things, doors, windows. Wow. Okay. Rob. Raymond. Are you ready? I am ready. What the fuck is a horse doing in here? My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, officially premiered on October 10th, 2010, 10, 10, 10, on The Hub, a cable channel part owned by Hasbro. The Hub? It later turned into Discovery Kids. Oh, okay. Here's the intro for My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. This right here is a clip from the show, just so you can get a little taste of what it is. And it's followed by the creator, Lauren Faust, talking about what she had in mind when creating the show. Spirits of the Elements of Harmony are right here. Honesty, loyalty, rapture, kindness, generosity. When those elements are ignited by the, the spark that resides in the heart of us all, it creates the sixth element, the element of... Magic. Doesn't that remind you of Captain Planet? Yes. He's a here with our powers combined. Yes. I wanted to have a show about six characters, six girls, six ponies, who were friends with one another. I already wanted Princess Celestia. I already wanted Twilight to be her student who was displaced. And I had her in Mork and Mindy style write letters surmising what she learned about friendship at the end of the episode. Dear Princess Celestia, this adventure has taught me to never lose faith in your friends. They can be an amazing source of strength and can help you overcome even your greatest fears. So I'm going to now introduce you to another major player in the story of bronies, the internet. Oh. Yeah. Now, like most things that will be covered on the show that happened after, say, I don't know, the year 2000, uh, the internet played a huge role in the creation of bronies. Now, enter 4chan. Yes, that 4chan. For the unfamiliar, 4chan is an image board site where users don't have to register a username to post, so it's completely anonymous. You know, perfect for the internet. Through various boards, or rooms, as they're called, that are related to a subject, uh, posters can post pictures, anonymously, and then people can comment anonymously on said post. Now, 4chan is responsible for a lot of things that have reached virality on the internet, gone viral, everything from LOL cat memes, which are weird pictures of cats with funny, ironic text. Yes. Now, they even were amazing enough to share to the world Tazon Days 2007 early YouTube banger. Do you remember this one? Chocolate Rain. Chocolate Rain. Some stay dry and others feel the pain. Chocolate Rain. A baby born will die before the sin. Chocolate Rain. 
4chan is where the internet hacking collective Anonymous formed. You always hear Anonymous and stuff, leading to many random cyber kerfluffles, if you will, along the way. And obviously, being able to post anonymously to an image board has led to some controversy. Everything from Sarah Palin's email getting hacked to extreme racism. Which was in her email, I'm sure. Yeah, to the literal worst of the worst stuff on the internet. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Hate-filled manifestos to leaked nude photos of celebrity to the first report of Jeffrey Epstein's death to Gamergate, which was a harassment campaign against female gamers and developers. 4chan was not the best place on the internet. Now I'm going to add a little bit more bandwidth to this story that was born of the internet. On October 19, 2010, only nine days after My Little Pony Friendship is Magic premiered, a blog post was created, written by Amid Amidi for the animation news website Cartoon Brew. Now, it was titled, The End of the Creator-Driven Era in Animation. Mm. And boy, it was alarmist. Now, this is paraphrasing. He argued that hiring someone as talented as Lauren Faust for a property like My Little Pony, a toy-centric show, showed that companies were more and more focused on making money and didn't care about making good content anymore from respected creators. That's a, that's a pretty big volley to yeah. lob at someone. And it's pretty crazy to think like, wow, companies want to make money? <laughs> Now, he said that, quote, the creator-driven era of animation lasted approximately from the early 90s to the late 2000s, and that during that era, artists had more creative control of their work, animation style, and writing. Now, Friendship is Magic had been discussed on 4chan Comics and Cartoons Board, or Co, I think, I don't know, I think it's just Co, but it was just general chat, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then a The blog post made its way to 4chan, the alarmist blog post. And uh, after that, there was just no turning back. It it started. Due to the -the over-the-top criticism, 4chan posters naturally started to get interested in the show because, you know, when they see something that that's, you know, over-the-top, they go, well, now I got to look at this. It's good publicity. Uh, You know, that's just how the internet works. At first, it was just to see what he was talking about, like, oh, okay, let's see if he makes a point. But then the same interested posters started to become fans. Mm. They loved the animation style, they loved the plots, and they really loved the characters. So these fans then started to outgrow the co-board, so then they started to post in other 4chan boards. Some of these posts were with a sense of irony, uh, while most were just looking for other fans to chat about the show with, you know? Like, wow, is there anyone else out there that I can talk about the show I like? Now, the term brony first appeared on 4chan on October 25th, 2010. The originator is unknown. Here is the exchange. They were just comments on a pony meme. The following is a reenactment by volunteer actors. Thanks a lot, pony bro. Pony bro? More like brony. Am I right? After the original post, it was, you know, just kind of forgotten about only to lay dormant. Now, another big moment for the movement happened on December 9th, 2010. Lauren Faust greeted fans on 4chan, and with that, the floodgates opened even more. The creator recognized them, which is huge. This was a big, big moment, and was only literally just the beginning of the acknowledgement from the creators. They used, they, they, this was, they loved these fans. There was so much pony posting at one point that pony posts were outright banned from the site. From 4chan. From 4chan, yeah. Now, I want to remind you, 4chan has had a lot of crazy shit that didn't get banned. Yes. That never got banned. 
My Little Pony Friendship is Magic posts banned. Well, these pony fans, they didn't need 4chan. They didn't need no 4chan. Uh, On January 11, 2011, only three months after Friendship is Magic premiered, the very first Friendship is Magic fan site was launched, Equestria Daily. Mm. Equestria Daily was soon followed by Pony Chan the next month. And then two months after that, in April 2011, RainbowDash.net was created. And with all of these welcoming places for fans now, uh, they needed to come up with a name for their fandom. What about that one thing that one anonymous poster posted back in December 2010? You remember that, right? Brony. Brony! And so there it was. Now the fandom overall, they're called bronies. And like I said, not just the males, but since the word uses the term, the word bro, the word Pegasister was created for the female fans. I do want to say, like I said earlier, the community is very gender inclusive. So remember, brony is the term for the entire fandom, not just for the dude bros, if you will. Love it. With time, even more image boards, fan sites, and blog posts, all of it. Bronies were taking over every social media platform. With the rise in popularity, 4chan decided that it was time for bronies to come on back. 4chan created a brand new sparkly, shiny board for bronies. But like I said, bronies didn't need no 4chan. Good for you, bronies. They had their own places to hang now. Yes. Fan art was being produced by thousands of fans. Fan fiction was being written about the Little Pony Adventures in Equestria every minute. Hours upon hours of fan videos were being uploaded to YouTube. Every octave of music was being used to create Little Pony songs. And fans empowered fans to keep creating. That's beautiful. And I, I, that's the thing is, I may not vibe with this fandom. Like, it's like, you know, I don't have to vibe with a fandom. But I really appreciate this. This is a very affirming, validating Absolutely. hobby to Absolutely. have. Top of the morning to you, Ray Hebel. Ooh, top of the morning to you, my little lady. Now I feel uncomfortable. Have you found my lucky charms? Oh, not yet, but I haven't looked on... Oh, Patreon.com, yay! What is a Patreon? Well, it's a place where all of our loyal listeners can go and donate a dollar or two or five to help us keep this podcast going. And now, how does one do that, my little Warwick Davis? Our little leprechauns can head on over to Patreon.com. That's P A T R E O N.com. <laughs> And search for This Was a Thing, the podcast, and set a monthly donation. Even a dollar a month helps us. Your contributions help us continue doing what we're doing. And you get annually 26 more episodes that the general public does not even get. And don't worry, it's going to be even more than that. Ooh, faith and begara. Faith and begara over to Patreon to donate money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling ya. May 27, 2011 came along. The Hub released an extended version of an MLP mashup to Katy Perry's California Girls. This was called Equestria Girls. Now, in this extended cut, a shout-out to bronies was given. Give it to me, Katy Perry. Spin, raise, 
So bronies made it into something that was promoting My Little Pony. So within the universe of My Little Pony, friendship is magic. Bronies is now canon. That's right, mm. folks. We got a canon alert. Now let's go on to a big part of brony fandom. There had to be BronyCon. Yeah, that's right. Alas, these like-minded fans would be able to interact in person. Now, the very first BronyCon was held in Midtown Manhattan. It was attended by 100 people. Now, the notable guest list for Con was the founder of Rainbow-.net, Cabal. What a name. Now, three months later, on September 24, 2011, BronyCon 2, only three months later, and it was only one week after season two premiered. Now, by the fourth BronyCon, which was expanded to two days, June 30th, July 1st, 2012, there were 4,000 attendees, and it was held at the Meadowlands Exposition Center in Secaucus, New Jersey, or if you're a New York football fan, New York City. <laughs> and don't think that the Bronies and Pegasisters didn't miss an opportunity to cosplay. I would hope not. They dressed up as all their favorite pony, my little pony characters, and a majority of the voice actors from the show attended, and so did Lauren Faust, which only showed that bronies mattered to the folks behind the scenes. Now, a show that was intended for four- to seven-year-old girls brought people together of all walks of life. Yes. Mike Fahey, who's an editor for the gaming website Kotaku, wrote that bronies were, quote, building friendships among a diverse group of people that otherwise might have just sat on the either side of the internet flinging insults at each other. This was a legitimate fandom already, and it was still only just the beginning. It was, it was starting to show that this was more than just some fly-by-night internet fad. This was something real. These are just clips uh, of bronies talking about what the fandom has done for them or just little things. And it's, uh, these are clips from the documentary, Bronies, the Extremely Unexpected Adult Fans of My Little Pony. This is Lyle. Before I watched the show, I was kind of sad and lonely. And then when I did watch the show, it opened up to this huge community because the community is just so accepting. And it's just a really great thing. It's not a show that you'd expect a lot of people my age and older to watch. The show does help teach a lot of life lessons. There's almost any episode that can help with almost any situation. He's adorable. Yeah, oh yeah. He's What a good spirit this kid has. Okay, so this next brony I'm going to introduce you to is Jeffrey. Hey, Jeffrey. Jeffrey with a J. Hi, I just with make, a J. Yeah, I want to specify that. My Little Pony Friendship is Magic is about a bunch of tiny little cute little herbivores that are facing down these titanic personified evils. And I think some days we all feel like that. We all feel like we're just a little small thing facing down these huge forces that are greater than us. You just met Jeffrey with a J. Now I want you to meet Jeffrey with a G. It's kind of brought out a creative side that I haven't used in almost 20 years. So when I was growing up, there was a lot of creative creative outlets that I would have, like with my singing and the playing of the clarinet and marching band. And then my family moved to Texas, and I joined the military, and that all went away. And so here, after you know, 16, 17 years, here I am. I'm practicing my singing again. I'm helping animators with artistic projects. I'm writing a story, and I've kind of surprised myself with it, to be absolutely honest. I'm so proud of these people. And BronyCon necess doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a fan of My Little Pony. This brony brought his sister. 
the reason I brought my sister to BronyCon was because I felt that she'd be the kind of person who would understand this sort of thing. And he can't drive. That, that's another reason. Very dedicated fans don't have time to go get their driving test. No, they don't. Now, I will say something that is cool uh, amongst the Brony community is a big group of people who served in the military, yes. serve in the military. Bless them. And it even got to a point where a Brony will put a rainbow patch on his army uniform. Coming here and seeing so many other military Bronies has just been really uplifting because as a Brony, I just really felt isolated. You know, like I was the only one in the military and that it was so hard to be so excited about something that I love so much and not be able to tell anyone. I'm going to a Brony con, you know? I wanted to tell everyone. I wanted to tell my friends and, and my family, but my friends are all in, in, the, in the military and it's like, oh, well, I can't tell them because, you know, because why? Because of the way that the military in general, you know, would react. It's like, oh, you like a little girl show. Oh, well, you know, you must be, you know, feminine and or gay or whatever. And it's like, you know, I want to just sit down and say, no, you know, watch the show, watch the animation, and and appreciate it for what it is and get past that. Because I mean, are you so afraid? of exposing yourself to something feminine that you're going to suddenly turn gay? Are you going to catch the gay by watching the show? After meeting these fans of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, I can tell you this. It's not the fandom that Hasbro was expecting, and neither was Lauren Faust. Now, another show that developed a large adult following was the show that Lauren Faust got her start on, which was Powerpuff Girls. And she admits that her work on that show helped influence her creative process she intentionally looked to create a show that could be enjoyed by adults. She was saying, like, I wanted to make a show that parents could enjoy when watching it with their kids. Of course. You know what I mean? So that was, like, her thought going into it. Lauren Faust was interviewed by Wired, and she talked about her admiration for bronies. She said, quote, This might be a little short-sighted on my part, but I just assumed that any adult man who didn't have a little girl wouldn't even give it a try. Mm. The fact that they did and that they were open-minded and cool enough and secure in their masculinity enough to embrace it and love it and go online and talk about how much they love it, I'm kind of proud. Yes! She would end up leaving production of the show after season one she was a consulting producer on season two but mostly just helping with story concepts but after that she left completely there's not a, a, a major reason that i could find but from what i can gather she wanted more creative control hasbro didn't want to give her more creative control even after faust's departure the show still lived up to fans expectations with each new season more and more fans started to come to the stable mm. now brony con's attendance only kept going up season five was airing in 2015 while the season was airing BronyCon 7 took place in baltimore from august 7th to the 9th attendance just over 10,000 wow. bronies in wow. attendance. Now, that was its peak. After reaching its peak, there was a steady dip in the following years. The BronyCon in August 2017 saw attendance drop to 6,300, which is still not too bad, which is odd considering that just a month later, the Generation 4 Little Ponies would be hitting the big screen what a movie yes that's right the ponies of equestria got a movie and it was called my little pony the movie i'm princess twilight sparkle and this is my home equestria a land filled with magic music 
yeah, yeah. Whoa. And most importantly, friendship. Life is perfect. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Wow. We need help to save Equestria. <laughs> what, Miss? The show's entire voice cast was joined by some, like, legit Hollywood A-listers. I'm talking Emily Blunt, Michael Pena, Uzo Aduba, Kristen Chenoweth, who was voicing Uzo Aduba's daughter, which Kristen Chenoweth is, I don't know, two decades older than Uzo? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little older. Regardless, you know, Kristen Chenoweth's got that voice. Zoe Saldana... Tay Diggs, Sia, uh, who also did a song for the film, a surprise, and Liev Schreiber, uh, who in my research I found out he he considered this role, his role of the Storm King, as one of the more intense roles that he's played. Oh. It was made on a $6.5 million budget. It brought in $21.9 million in the U.S. and Canada, $61.3 million altogether. Not bad. Because the bronies went to the pictures. Jesus, now, good now, for them. It seems that the release of the film, bronies could count one group not joining their ranks. And that group is film critics. Oh, fuck off. They mostly criticize the narrative, uh, and it has a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, the snarkiest review that I found came from the Hollywood Reporter critic uh, Michael Rechtschaften. Attention the Emoji Movie. Your status as worst animated feature of the year might well be in jeopardy when My Little Pony the movie trots into theaters this weekend. That, I mean, that is, that is shade. That is shade. Listeners, I'm just letting you know that that is a shady-ass review. Now, following the film was season 8's premiere in March 2018. Now, by this point, uh, Brony diehards were still around, but... You know, a lot had left at this point. They were seven and a half years into the show. It seemed seemed wild that new episodes were even being produced. Apparently, after each season ended, bronies were going like, okay, well, I guess that was it. That was it. And then they'd be surprised by the announcement of, oh, another season. But the fans kept keeping on, and so did those little ponies. But soon it seemed it was almost time to send them to pasture. Now, I call this section the end is nay. February 2019. It's announced that the upcoming season, season nine, would be the last for My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. What would end up being the final BronyCon occurred from August 1st to the 4th, 2019. A fourth day was added, knowing that the show was coming to an end, and this would be one last hurrah. The final con not only had Lauren Faust as guest, but Bonnie Zacherly, the woman who created the very first pony back in 1981, and Zacherly's niece, she was there. And I need to mention, the cons that I mentioned were the only the official brony cons. There were many other brony-themed cons held all over the world and in the United States, but this one was the official brony con. October 12th, 2019 would be the day that the final episode of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic aired. In all, over nine seasons, 221 episodes were produced. One film, a holiday special, and another special. Now, 
for a fandom that has the word bro in it, it has been noted for its inclusion of women. Angela Watercutter wrote in the Wired piece that the fandom was an example of, quote, neo-sincerity, which older fans watch it, quote, unironically and without guilt, breaking gender stereotypes. So that's neo-sincerity. So that's a new theory for you. Yeah, I like that. Now, you might be wondering, how would one even become a brony? How would I become a brony, right? Oh, well, I, actually, well, I, I keep mentioning that Wired article, right? By, by Mrs. Watercutter? <laughs> Angela Watercutter. Very good. Angela Watercutter interviewed uh, brony Luke Allen, who the article described as a 32-year-old out-of-work computer programmer. Quote, first, we can't believe the show is so good. Then we can't believe we become fans for life. Then we can't believe we're walking down the pink aisle at Toys R Us or asking for the girl's toy in our Happy Meal. Then we can't believe our friends haven't seen it yet. Then we can't believe they're becoming bronies too. I like that. There's something so beautiful about that. It's pure. There's no gatekeeping. It seems like a majority of bronies were friends showing friends, not just the four on 4chan. No. I feel like a majority of bronies probably never even ventured into 4chan by the time they became bronies because there were so many different brony, pro, prony, if you will, prony. places for them to gather. Bronies have also been extremely charitable. In November 2012, the Brony Thank You Fund was originally created for fans to make a commercial to air on The Hub, the channel that showed My Little Pony, Friendship's Magic, and the, they wanted the commercial just to thank the creators of the show. Then the fund far exceeded the goal, and the remainder was donated to Toys for Tots. Another group, Bronies for Good, raised over $60,000 in 2012 for various charities. The documentary that I've been playing clips of, like uh, Bronies, the Extremely Unexpected Adult Fans of My Little Pony, was funded entirely from a Kickstarter campaign. The idea for the documentary started with actor John Delancey. Do you know who John Delancey is? People may remember him from numerous Star Trek shows as the character Q. Mm. Anyway, John Delancey provided the voice for a villain character in My Little Pony Friendship is Magic Season 2, Discord. And coincidentally, that character was modeled after his character Q on Star Trek. This is a clip of John Delancey from the documentary just explaining how, how he got involved in stuff. And I just think it's kind of funny. My first introduction to My Little Pony was I got a call from my agent saying that you have a, a job. And I read the material, it was very good. I went in, I knocked it off, and completely forgot about it. Three months later, I go down to my computer and I open it up and there must be, I don't know, three or four hundred emails. And they all say, uh, My Little Pony. And, I'm, and I, I call up to my wife and I said, what do you know about My Little Pony? And she said, well, you had voiced it about three months ago. And I completely forgot about that. And um, she says, it's a program for little girls. I said, well, let me tell you, these aren't little girls that are writing me. From what I can tell, there hasn't been a ton of pushback to the Brony community. You know, like, obviously, besides the trolls or, you know, sadly, the, the those 11-year-olds who just 11-year-olds are going to act yes. like 11-year-olds. Yes, yes, yes. You know, regardless yes. of what you like. Love who you love, baby. Okay, so this is these are some of the negative. These are some of the, the subsects of the fandom that, you know, aren't the best. There's been some negative stuff regarding bronies. It just really involves those small subsects, like I said, of the fandom, not as a whole. Which, honestly, like I said, is every fandom has these bad sections But or this whatever. seems very small. Yeah, and, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of toxicity. Some of the brony toxicity includes fan-made, quote, parody videos where the ponies are in 
not safe for work situations. Okay. There's male fans who purposely alienate female fans, which oh, is fuck off. But that's every fandom, which but this yes. one is specifically for being inclusive. It's like it's even more jarring, I guess. I think it's probably more jarring because it happens so infrequently. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know every fandom is going to have those sets, but this one is specifically gender inclusive, so that's where it throws people off. And you know, of course, like every fandom, there are bronies who are racists. Okay. Yeah, New York Post reported that uh, My Little Pony is popular amongst white nationalists and neo-fascist what groups. What the fuck? Yep, it's theorized that they're drawn to the show because they view Equestria as an example of nationalist politics. Get the fuck out. Yeah. I would never have guessed that. My little nationalist politicians. Ponies. To wrap up this section, I want to finish up with a clip of John Delancey talking about bronies, what they are to him in his opinion. Bronies are not just fans that are interested in watching a cartoon. What makes them special is, is that they're willing to take the lessons from this show, and they're lessons that were intended for children, and turn them into adult lessons. And they're still the same lessons that we need to be applying as adults. And that we're really talking about being nice and kind and generous and loyal. And we don't have many things in our society right now that does that really sweet. I thought that was so sweet. Okay, after the break, I think we should just talk about our little pony, and I'm gonna put my saddle on. What? After the break. What? This was a thing, this was a thing, And now, this is a sketch. Well, it swept the world a few years ago, and now it's making a comeback, but in a very different way. We go to our reporter on the scene, Ed Trooper, over the Long Beach Convention Center. Ed? (laughs) That's right, Tom. You all remember Bronies, the group of frat boys who just loved My Little Pony? Well, those Bronies need to gallop on out because now we have the Monies. Yes, it's a group of frat guys that are now leading the Monies, and this is a group that's dedicated to celebrating the message of the 2003 Julia Roberts film Mona Lisa Smile. They've turned the convention hall into an almost exact replica of the campus of Wellesley College, the film setting. Now, let's speak to some of these Monies. You, sir, what is it about Mona Lisa's smile that speaks to you? Well, it's just like the fact that you don't have to be similar to have similar views, you know what I mean? And uh, you kind of find out through the study of art, you know what I mean? Like, like, which is fucking awesome, you know? Like, I honestly thought art was just made to cover up holes in the wall, you know? And like, uh, I, I never in a thousand years would have guessed I would identify with a character like Joan Brandwin. But because of Joan, I'm finally going to enroll at Yale Law School. Yeah, he's never even, like, studied pre-law, you know what I mean? Like, but he has started a message board for us. But if Joan Branwyn can dream of Yale Law, well, I can make a message board. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I was learning how to code. Yeah, I still got to figure out that Yale application, though. You know, the application fee is crazy high. Now, who is Joan Brandwin? Oh, my God. Are you 
serious? That's like one of the biggest problems with our community. Some Monies just only like to focus on Julie's character. Julie? Yeah, since there's two Julias in the cast, we refer to uh, Julia Roberts as Julie and Julia Stiles as Julia. It's less confusing. Or we just call them by their characters' full names, Catherine Ann Watson or the aforementioned Joan Brandwin. It's a sign of respect. Can we circle back to this poser not knowing who the fuck Joan Brandwin is? Joan motherfucking Brandwin has big fucking dreams, but due to it being the 1950s, can't follow those dreams. Joan had to settle for the traditional housewife role. Seriously fucked. I, I just want to remind you that we're live on air currently. Oh, you want to talk about live? I'll tell you what's live as hell, bro. The Mona Lisa Smile soundtrack album by various artists. Like, honestly, like, honestly, 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 getting the most popular artists of the aughts to sing standards from that time is, that, that shit is brilliant, bro. Four words. Macy, Gray, Santa, Baby, Holiday, Cheer. I guess that's six words. It's really interesting over here, Tom. Uh, there are boys who are cosplaying as Lily Rabe, Tori Amos, and Maggie Gyllenhaal, all big actors now who declined to come to this convention. In fact, Lily Rabe forgot she was even in the film till the Monies called her. Uh, the Monies also don't want you to leave hungry, so they have tons of food stands. Uh, they're selling items as diverse as Betty Warren Humble Pie to Connie Baker's Dozen Donuts. Uh, there's even a dunk tank with an actor dressed as Elizabeth M. Tamney of the Chicago Reader, and she panned the movie years ago. So if you want to check this out, we encourage you to go down to your local library, see if they have a copy of this film, Mona Lisa Smile, as I couldn't find it on any streaming platform, but it looks pretty authentic to me. The Moni's convention runs today and tomorrow until 8 p.m., and then the convention moves to the Denny's across the street. Now, Denny's management is asking once again that you do not use the condiments to recreate the art that inspires these women. Although, what condiment can match the beauty of Julia Roberts? From the Long Beach Convention Center, I'm Ed Trooper. Hey, fuck Elizabeth M. Tamney, bro! <laughs> Thank you, Ed. And Ed, I think I see my son there dressed as Mona Lisa Smiles' Dr. Staunton. So tell him I'm happy that the Yale Law School application fee went to that ridiculous period costume. <laughs> anyway, we'll be right back. Trouble on the 405. Thank you. This was a sketch. One of the things I kept thinking about when reading stuff in this is it seems like a, such a pure fandom. Yes. Just there's purity yes. to it. But with how the world is nowadays, sadly, I don't think that the purity of Brony, like if Bronies were to be started in 2023 with how the world is, with how the Internet is, social media now. I don't think it would be able to blow up as much because at the beginning of it, when it started making kind of bigger headlines, there'd be people out there going, why are these adult men liking this little, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, they're groomers. They're all this stuff. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And and sure, people couldn't understand it back then. But nowadays, like it's that mindset is such a, a virus, I guess, you know, in in the world that I feel like people are starting to become afraid again of admitting they like something just because of fear of public backlash, which is just so sad because it's just one of those things that's another thing that shows, oh, we've we've come so far. Oh, wait, hold on. Let's mm -hmm. just go back. The best way for me to add, this is a positive thing, a question for you. 
to wrap things up. Have you ever been to a con of any kind? Broadway con. So okay, I was going to ask that was going to be so broad. Yeah. You did go to Broadway. I did con. go to Broadway con. What yeah. you? How was it? I found it really beautiful. I went as a panelist because they do okay. different panels yeah. and stuff there, and so I had downtime between the panels and to just walk around and see all these different people cosplaying as Evan Hansen and cosplaying as these people from Hamilton. I don't know. I found it really beautiful because I remember when I was that age, you know, we didn't have anything like that. So you you felt very alone. You felt very isolated. You felt very, like, you know, there's a, much like the soldier was saying in, in this, you know, you don't really want to tell anybody because you think you're going to be laughed at. So to see all these people and to see all these people like looking at each other being like, hey, great job with the Evan Hansen cast or like, hey, I love how you did your, you know, ruffles for your Hamilton character. I found it to be very celebratory and beautiful. Going off of your point right there, when you and I like were in high school, I feel like it was like the musical, doing musical and theater and stuff was like, oh man, it was still like, yeah, those guys are, you know, a little weird. Oh little yeah, weird. yeah, but yeah. I, I truly believe, because yeah. I see such a shift in my little brothers and stuff and them yeah. doing, my little brother was Jean Valjean and then also was playing basketball all at the same time. No one thought mm. it different that, you know, he was singing God on High. I truly think the shift in that, whether or not you like this this media, was Glee. Absolutely. And High School Musical. A hundred and ten percent. just those two shows changed so much for the theater community. I necess don't necessarily enjoy them, but I love what they do. And I get that's the same Absolutely. point with bronies that I, Absolutely. I don't necessarily enjoy my little ponies, but or my little pony, but I enjoy what it has done for people and helped with people. I mean, I have to say, I find this to be one of the most fascinating episodes that you've done because I came in, I think, on uneducated and I came in with a very specific idea. I thought it was going to be, oh, this is stupid. It's a bunch of like sad people and they dress up like horses. And to see what this has done, I find this very beautiful. I agree with you. I don't know if necessarily this is something that like I might find myself gravitating towards because I'm just not, I'm not a huge animation fan. Yeah. So I don't know if I would find myself gravitating towards it, but to see the joy that it gives all of these people, I think this is great. This came as a big surprise to me. Like when, big we, surprise. when you and I were planning this season out, and we were thinking of stuff, and it was like, oh, Brony, like, you know, we try to find stuff, like, more current and yes, stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah, bro oh, yeah, Bronies is good. And I went into this going, like, oh, well, you know, this will be, oh, I'll find some good, oh, there's going to be good clips sure, of sure. these, oh, man, these guys, oh, these guys are like my little punk. I mean, within the first fucking hour, it was like, holy shit. I find this to be out of, like, in my opinion, all the episodes that we've done, I find this to be like the one that for me has the biggest change. Okay. Like to, Sweet. to go in with what I think, what I thought these, who these people were to what they actually are. Big change for me. So I loved it. And that's the thing is I, I truly hope that maybe this episode will do that to people that may had one opinion on bronies and, you know. They just, they're, they, they're not hurting anyone. I keep saying that, but it's just, it's the truth. You know, like, what are they, who, are they affecting you? No. They're trying to find happiness in their yeah, lives. Yeah, exactly. Okay, sorry. I know that was a, very long, and I know that we are running late to the panel, and I don't want to be late for this panel, because Mark Schroeder is actually going to be doing a panel, and I think he's going to be taking questions. This was a thing, and now it's a quiz. This is a This Was a Quiz with Mark Schroeder.
Mark, who's your favorite My Little Pony? Twinkerbell. Twinkerbell, nice. Is that close to a real one? Probably. Okay, I like yeah, it. At least in this community. Uh, I, I admit I'm no brony, but I do love me a unicorn. Yeah. I remember being uh, pretty bummed when I learned that they weren't real. But that what? doesn't mean that no. other fictional creatures can't be celebrated. And I think we should celebrate them today with a little game called Fantastic Beasts. No relation to the J.K. Rowling or Harry Potter IP. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you guys are going to compete against each other in separate speed rounds to see who knows more about famous fictional animals, creatures, and monsters from mythology and pop culture. At the end of both rounds, the person who's got the most correct is going to be the, you're going to be anamorphed into something cool. Oh, anamorphs. The loser's going to be anamorphed into a platypus. That's cool. Kind of a step up in my life right now. All right, well, it's a win or lose. Everybody wins. Got a cool tail. Who went first last time determines who goes first this time. You're first. I'm Rob first. is up. Here you go, Robbie. This mythical beast has the head of a lion, the wings and feet of an eagle. A griffin? That is correct. Top of a human, body of a horse. Centaur? Centaur is correct. The famed Medusa is this type of creature. Snakes? A woman. <laughs> a real woman. A gorgon. A gorgon. Gorgon? 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 Gizmo is the furry, cute little member of this fictional gremlin species. Oh, I don't know. Pass on that one. In Greek and Roman mythology, a half-human and half-bird personification of storm winds was known as this. Ravenclaw. Whoa, okay, HP. Okay, he's a big HP fan, but that Jeez. is incorrect. Which is taller, an orc or an ogre? An ogre. That is correct. You got four correct out of six. The ones you did not get were uh, Gorgon, obviously. Uh, Mogwai. 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 Does that mean you got three? Sorry, let me do the math right. You got three out of six. I'm sorry. Okay, that's fine. No, sorry. no. Uh, Mogwai you didn't get, and Harpy. Harpy. Half human, Harpy. half bird personification of storm winds is a harpy. I did not know that. All right, Raymond. This mythical beast is part lion, part goat, part snake. Part lion, part goat, part snake. Oh, gee. Uh, part oh my. <laughs> pass. Uh, that was a tough hard one. That was a chimera. I don't know why I put that first. That we should have worked into that. Chimera. Sorry. Number two. The mythical beast is bottom half of a goat, top half of a human. Uh, uh, pass. That is a satyr. A satyr. The English word fairy derives from this European language. French? That is correct. Très bien. The 19, <laughs> in 1984's The NeverEnding Story, the character of Falcor is this type of dragon. A Komodo. A luck dragon. Uh, Falcor is a luck dragon. According to Greek mythology, this creature can be found in the center of the labyrinth. I, uh, pass. It's the Minotaur. Minotaur! That's what I was going to say. And lastly, the legendary sea monster is said to reside off the coast of Norway. Well, I mean, I think, is, is Ireland close to Norway? Not close enough for this answer. I thought it too, but I don't think it's right. Lo it's not Loch Ness. It is not Loch Ness. Yeah. It is the Kraken. Kraken. The Kraken oh. is off the coast of Norway. All right, well, somebody's getting fed to a platypus. I forget what the... Yeah, I think you're both being fed to the, fed to the oh, cat no. platypus. <laughs> no, it's anamorphed into a pla platypus. You're anamorphed into a platypus. That's fine with me. I just you cool both like jacket. that. I think that'll be really fun. Good for us. Do they make sounds like that? They have the same mouth, but do they sound like that? I don't think so, man. You know Burgess Meredith, where the, where the squawking came from? Where? Because he had to smoke cigarettes as the penguin, and he had quit. So it was actually harder for him. So every time he would smoke and felt himself coughing, he would... <coughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. He would turn into a squawk so he didn't ruin a take. Wow. That is brilliant acting right there. A little there. factoid <laughs> for you. I saw somebody, I think it's like Child or somebody posted a photo on Facebook a couple of days ago saying that people used to send him like penguin memorabilia and he 
put it all up on his walls and on his shelves and there's a picture of him like on his stationary bike with like all the penguin stuff that people sent oh, him. Oh, that's lovely. I think that's cool. Yeah, I, like I think that. that's Nobody cool. Nobody sends him Mickey stuff. Nobody sends him sweat towels and stuff from Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an old pair of shorts. <laughs> Here's a, a thing of Vaseline and a baseball glove because you weren't of mice and men. Oh, okay. Wow. Tell me about the rabbits, George. Tell me about them rabbits. Ray, well, I'm telling Mark about the rabbits. You're going to tell everyone else about our social media. I want to hear about the rabbits. Later. Okay, fine. Uh, uh, this was a thing pod on Instagram. Uh, you can go on our website, www.thiswasathing.com or patreon.com slash thing. Old Lucy level, $5 a month. You get exclusive content. You get tons of stuff. I don't, I don't know what you're waiting for. You can get it on your phone. You can get it on desktop. You can get it on an iPad. I don't know if you still got web TV. Remember that? Web TV? We'll do that in season three, maybe. All righty. Talk to you soon. Oh, I think the message, I think the answering machine cut me off. <laughs> thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut Cut Schwartzberg. Our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese. Our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford. Our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia. And finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And if you really like what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 